This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss God's way, the best way to invest your money. Stay tuned for that interesting subject. Now today we will continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And I emphasize it is free that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I'm going to be reading from the 6th chapter of Matthew, and I'm going to start reading at verse 19. I'm going to read through verse 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break, through, break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Today we want to think about God's way, the best way to invest our money. And I know whatever God says is the best way. And I have several reasons that I'd like to, for us to consider as to why God's way is the best way. First of all, everything belongs to God by right of creation. Can you think of one single thing that was not made by the Lord? Psalms 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in the earth, everything that pertains to it, belongs to God. In Psalms chapter 50, verses 10 and 11, we learn that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. In Haggai chapter 2 and 8, the Bible says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, we're told that, he, that all souls are mine. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God, body and soul, body and spirit. There isn't anything that doesn't belong to God. In First Chronicles, the 29th chapter, we learn that everything in heaven, everything on earth belongs to God. And there isn't a single thing that we could ever give to God that wasn't God's to begin with. So God's way would have to be the best way to invest our money because it all belongs to Him in the beginning. 
And God is the one who gives us the power or the ability to gain wealth. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. We have people who have made lots of money in their lives and they try to attribute it to themselves and their, their ingenuity and their savvy about how to invest money and make money. But you see, God is the one who gives us the ability and the power to gain wealth. And God is the one to whom we must ultimately answer as to how we have used our blessings. Over in James, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 1, the writer says, Go now, you rich, and weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your silver and gold are corrupted. And, your, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. You see, one day we're going to answer to God for what we have heaped up on this earth. And if our money is not being used properly, it's going to be rusty and corroded and corrupt. You see, God's way is always the best way. And God gives us some good financial advice in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 21. And I want you to think about this advice. First of all, God's advice is avoid treasures moths can destroy. Avoid treasures that moths can destroy. Secondly, avoid treasure that can rust. He said, do not lay it up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust, moth, and rust destroy. And then he third part of his advice is that avoid treasures that can be stolen. And then next he says, the lasting treasures are those that we send before us. Look at verse 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So here, this is the Lord's advice. Avoid treasures that moths can destroy, that rust, that can rust. Avoid treasures that can be stolen. And the lasting treasures are the ones that we send before us that we lay up in heaven. And verse 21 tells us that a man's real interest is where his investments are. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I went to a ball game recently, watching some children play ball. And there were fathers and mothers and grandparents in the stands, and they were cheering and they were clapping and they were, they were sometimes shouting to the top of their lungs. Why were they doing that? Well, I'll tell you the reason they were doing that is because they had their treasure out there on that field. You see, a man's interest is where his treasures are, where his investments are. And if you've laid up treasure in heaven, if you've been investing in the greatest cause on earth, and that's the Lord's cause, then your interest is going to be in things that, where you have put your treasures. So I ask, where is your treasure today? Where is your interest today? Now I want you to take your Bibles, if you have them handy, and I want you to turn to the sixth chapter of Luke's gospel. 
because in Luke the 6th chapter in verse 38, we have God's investment strategy. You know, you, 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 it's a good thing to know how to do it, but we need a strategy about how to invest our money. And I want you to listen carefully as I read verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now that, my friend, is God's investment strategy. And notice the first part of that strategy is this, give. That's imperative. It's like the Lord saying, you give. But have you ever wondered why the Lord says give? Well, first of all, he says to give because he wants us to be blessed. And perhaps he wants to bless us perhaps more than we want to be blessed. He wants to do the best for his children. He wants to bless his children. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. God is able to bless us. He wants to bless us. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus said, If you being evil give good, give good, good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that, that love Him? And so God wants to do what's best for us. And and another reason the Lord says give is He wants us to win over the covetous spirit. Jesus warned about the covetous spirit in Luke 12 and verse 15 when He said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. There was a preacher a number of years ago by name David Lipscomb. David Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee is named for him. And one Sunday morning, David Lipscomb was planning to give $5 to the Lord. But he said he, the devil tempted him not to give it. And he said he didn't. Instead, he gave $10. And he said the devil, devil never tempted him again. The Lord wants us to win over the covetous spirit. And then the Lord wants us to give because he wants to show what is first in your life. And what is it that's first in your life? Someone was trying to write the life of a very famous person. And it wasn't until they began to look into their financial records, into their checkbook, that they had an insight into what they really were. And when we look at our financial records, we can see what we really are. And we can tell if we are putting first things first in our life. You know, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. By looking at how an individual spends his or her money, you can see what's first. And the Lord says to give because he wants us to see who is in charge in our lives. Who is the boss in your life? Who's in charge in your life? Jesus in Matthew 6 and verse 24 said, No man can serve two masters. For either he hate the one and love the other, hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is money. You can't serve God and you can't serve, serve money at the same time. And so we, whenever we give, that shows that money is not in charge, that the Lord is in charge of our lives. And then another reason the Lord says for us to give is because he wants us to use our faith. 
If I were to ask, do you have faith? Or likely you'd say, of course I have faith. But how strong is your faith? How much faith do you really have? Do you have enough faith to do what the Lord says? And the Lord says, give. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, Abraham was called upon to offer his son. And that was a great test of Abraham's faith. But Abraham prepared everything they would need for the sacrifice, and he took his son along with him. And they finally came to the place of sacrifice, and instead of offering his son, his hand was stayed when he was about to kill him. And there was a sacrifice, an animal that was caught in the thicket nearby, and he offered that animal in the place of his son. But I believe that Abraham would have taken the life of his son had his hand not been stayed. The reason I believe that is in Hebrews 11, chapter, verses 17 and 19, we learn that, it, that Abraham had so much faith that he believed that if God were to take the life of his son or allow him to take the life of his son, that God could raise him from the dead. That's how much faith he had in God. God tells us what to do. How much faith do we have in the promises of God? Proverbs 11 and 25 says, The liberal soul shall be made rich. Do we really believe that? Jesus says, give. The liberal soul will be made rich. Do we really have faith in that promise? In Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that if you put the Lord first with your material possessions, that the Lord is going to bless you? In Malachi, the third chapter, in verse 10, the Lord said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Herewith saith the Lord, If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Do you really, really believe it? In 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, Paul said, He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Do you really believe it? You see, God has made certain promises in the Bible about blessing us. But our being blessed is dependent upon our having faith in His promise. Just how much faith do you have in the promises of God? You see, God says give because he wants our faith to be exercised. He wants us to stretch our faith as it were. So he says give. And then the Lord says it shall or will be given to you. He, he did not say that it might be given to you. He, he didn't say perhaps it will be given to you. He said it shall be given to you. It will be given to you. And he says, you'll get good measure. Good measure. I remember needing a, a gallon of gas for my lawnmower. I go to the service station. And I open the can, begin to put gas in the can. And it's a gallon can. That's all it will hold. But when I looked at the pump, according to the pump, I had put a gallon and a half in that can. Something was wrong. You see, that pump needed to be uh, fixed. It was broken. It needed to be recalibrated. And so 
I did not get good measure. I had to pay for a dollar and a half worth of gas, but I only got a gallon. When God gives to you, you're going to get good measure. He says it will be pressed down and it will be shaken together. Have you ever opened up a box of cornflakes for breakfast? Brand new box. And right up at the top of the box there's about that much space. There's nothing but air. What's happened? Well, over the course of it being packaged and being shipped to the store and then you're picking it up and then you're bringing it home, that box of cornflakes has been pressed down, shaken together. But it's not running over. You see, when God gives, He's going to fill the top box all the way to the top of the box. It will be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. And it will be running over. He said, shall men give into your bosom? The New American Standard Version says men will give it into your lap. In those days, men wore long flowing robes and a man said, I have some vegetables that I'd like to give to you and your family. Well, this man would pick up the end of his robe and that man who had the vegetables would put them into his robe and he would carry them home in his lap. He said, if you give, it's going to be given to you. You're going to get good measure. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be running over. That man will give into your bosom. And he says, with the same measure that you use, it shall be measured back to you again. It will be measured back to you again. That goes back to the principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7 where the Bible says, He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And those that sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Then he says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. But let me read the next verse. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. And that passage is saying that God is able to make all grace abound toward us. We'll have all sufficiency in all things. We'll have an abundance for every good work. You see, if you give, it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, men will give into your bosom. Friend, you can't improve on God's plan. Now, men have a lot of plans and schemes about how to raise money, but it's not God's way. God's way is that we give to Him on the Lord's day to support the work of the church, and there may be things during the week that are that uh, maybe some need comes up, maybe somebody, a family that's in need, we may help those, but that's over and above what I should give to the Lord. And you just can't improve on what God says on His investment plan. 
I want to read to you in closing from Matthew, the 19th chapter. Now let me go back to verse number 27. Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. He called the disciples. He said, Just follow me. So Peter said, We left all. Peter left his fishing nets, followed Christ. He said, We've left all and followed you. Now here was Peter's question. Therefore, what shall we have? Another way of, of asking that question, what will we get out of it? You know, people want to know what's in it for me. Peter's asking, what's in it for me? What's in it for us? We've, we've left all, followed you. Now, what, what, we go, what will we receive? And here's Jesus' answer. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration... When the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now listen to verse 29 carefully, please. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Now, brother, you can't improve on that. The Lord said, those of you that have left all, and among that all were houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and wife and children and lands, and they did it for the Lord's sake. Well, He said, you're going to receive a hundredfold. Well, now, how much is a one hundredfold? Well, one fold would be 100. So how much is 100 fold? 100 fold would be 10,000. 10,000. I think that's the Lord's way of saying you're going to be blessed more than you can ever hope to imagine. The first thing you have to give to the Lord is yourself. The reason that some people have a hard time giving their, of the money that the Lord has blessed them with to the Lord and back to the Lord is because they never first of all gave themselves to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter we read about the people of Macedonia. Some of the most liberal people I have ever read about anywhere in, in my life. I don't believe there's another example in the Bible that can compare with them. Now I want you to listen to verse number 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. These people were so liberal with the money that the Lord had given to them. But the reason they were liberal is they first gave themselves to the Lord. Have you ever given yourself to the Lord? Have you ever done that? Have you given yourself to Christ by having faith in Him? In John 8, 24, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Have you ever given yourself to the Lord by being willing to repent of your sins because Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 
Have you ever given yourself to the Lord by confessing and acknowledging before men your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and verse 33. Have you ever given yourself to the Lord by allowing some servant of God to immerse you in water for the remission of your sins, baptize you into Christ? Galatians 3, 26 and verse 27. Have you ever done that? Why not give yourself to the Lord? And may I urge you to do that without delay. The most important decision you will ever make is to give yourself to the Lord. Would you do that? You see, we will have a hard time dealing with the material things of life until we get our lives in order with Christ. I want to urge you to do that. Now, in the closing of our telecast today, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You will find people who worship God on the Lord's Day by observing the Lord's Supper, by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord, by going to God in prayer, by giving to God as they have been prospered on the Lord's Day and giving generously to the Lord. And you'll also find people who sit and they are edified with the Word of God as it is taught to them. May I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also now, please pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible correspondence course. The greatest thing you'll ever do for your life in giving yourself to the Lord is to find out what will the Lord have me to do. And if you'll study this course, you will find out what God would have you to do. Please, please avail yourself of this opportunity. We want, I want to thank those of you who watch Getting to Know Your Bible on a regular basis. And as you know, we do not ask you to support our program with financial means, but would you support us with your prayers and with your encouragement? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. From my very first day at Faulkner, it's been an incredible experience. There's so much to do around campus, and I know that I've made friends that will last a lifetime. I love using my iPad in my classes. I feel really prepared for the future. Plus, the use of e-text helps me cut costs on textbooks. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different from most other universities. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, 
or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.